on Easter, we celebrate, and people celebrate across the world. It's not just happening here in Denver, in this room, but people celebrate across the world. And, and I was doing a little bit of research. There's all sorts of different kinds of Easter traditions across the world. I thought I would share a few with you. One of them is in Greece, eggs are painted, but only the color red to represent the blood of Christ. Kind of cool, a little creepy also, but kind of cool. In Russia and Poland, they make butter lambs, which is probably the freakiest thing I've ever seen. If that was on my table, I would think I was in the middle of a horror movie. Um, I don't even know what that is, but apparently it's a butter lamb. Uh, this is the best one. Rival Greek churches, this is true, celebrate Easter by firing rockets at each other in a 150-year-old tradition. The objective is to hit the rival church's bell tower, and tens of thousands of homemade rockets are fired across the town. That is amazing, and I don't know how that would go in Denver, but I would love to try it. This, is, this has nothing to do with actual Easter. Uh, it happens on Easter, but it doesn't have any Jesus stuff in it. But apparently in New Zealand, rabbits are uh, very, they're, they're pests. They're all over the place. And so there's a great Easter bunny hunt that takes place in New Zealand. And it says this, 10,000 rabbits meet their maker each year. And I hate to show you this, but this is an actual picture of, from there. Oh, I think they should combine this one with the red eggs from Greece. That, that could work. Uh, and then one last one. This is, this is amazing. In uh, Papua New Guinea, there's tobacco trees. Chocolate isn't in much use in the steamy jungles of Papua New Guinea. So Easter trees at the front of the churches are decorated with sticks of tobacco and cigarettes, and they're handed out after the service. That's what we actually filled the eggs with uh, today. So parents, I hope that that is okay with you. Uh, we're just trying to be global, you know, and... Um, but Easter is celebrated across the world, right? Easter is celebrated with different traditions and different themes and different kind of styles, but Easter is celebrated all over. And the question is why? Why do we celebrate Easter? Why is it such a big deal? Maybe even for some of you, you haven't been to church in a long time, but you're here on Easter or joining online for Easter. Why do we celebrate on Easter? What, what's the point? And there's a lot of things that we could say about Easter, but one of the key things is that Easter says it brings new beginnings. Easter says it brings new beginnings. And 2020 was hard for many of us. And 2021 maybe hasn't been so easy either, but there's been a lot of changes, a lot of disruptions, a lot of things that have stopped, a lot of things that have uh, created conflict, a lot of things that have changed. And many of us want a new normal. We want a fresh start. We want a new beginning of some kind. For some of you, maybe you even had, and if you look at the stats on this, some, many people are starting new jobs or looking for new jobs. Anytime there's kind of a disruption or things change, that, that has been created. We want some new beginning maybe in our careers or new relationships. Some of you have started new relationships or are looking for new relationships, and we want new beginnings with our relationships or with our jobs or goals. Or For many people, it's been a time to also consider faith. And think about a new beginning with faith. And Easter says, Easter says, what if a new beginning is possible? Easter says, what if whatever it is that's happening in your life, a new beginning is possible? 
What if in your relationships a new beginning is possible? Greater health, greater joy. What if in your faith with God a new beginning is possible? Wherever you are, whether it's just the beginning or whether you've been a Christian for a long time, what if a new beginning is possible? What if in the way that you even view yourself and your own identity, a new beginning is possible? Easter says, what if this isn't the end? What if the worst in life, what if the greatest challenges in life, what if the greatest disruptions in life are not the end, but really you can have a new beginning? That is what Easter holds out to us. It's one of the reasons that we celebrate on Easter. And we're going to look at a story in the book of Luke. At the very end, Jesus raises from the dead. He raises from the dead and then he appears to some of his disciples in a room. He appears to them. He goes to them and he shows them how the resurrection is going to give them a new beginning. They thought everything was over. They thought it was the end. They thought that all that they had hoped for and all that they had wanted was done. And Jesus shows up to them and shows them how the resurrection brings a new beginning. And the same new beginning that it brings to them is the same new beginning that it can bring to us. So we're going to look at this passage and talk about this question, which is what new beginning can the resurrection bring into our life? Wherever you are and whatever, if that new beginning is kind of a renewal and a restart, or if it's the first, what new beginning can the resurrection bring into our life? Here's the passage. Luke 24, 36 through 53 says this. As they were saying these things, the disciples, they were talking, he himself, Jesus, stood in their midst. He just kind of shows up. And he said to them, peace to you. But they were startled and terrified and thought they were seeing a ghost. Why are you troubled? He asked them. And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet, that it is I, myself. Touch me and see. Because a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you can see I have. Having said this, he showed them his hands and feet. But while they were still were amazed and in disbelief because of their joy, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? So they gave him a piece of a broiled fish, not what I would want right when I came back from the dead. And he took and ate it in their presence. He told them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms, that's the summary of the Old Testament, must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He also said to them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead the third day and repentance for forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And look, I am sending you what my father promised. As for you, stay in the city until you are empowered from on high. Then he led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was carried up into heaven. After worshiping him, they returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the temple praising God. What new beginning does the resurrection bring into their life that Jesus gives them? The same that it brings into our life. I want to look at four new beginnings that we can experience even today as we reflect upon the resurrection. The first is that there is a new confidence given to us. It's very interesting. Jesus shows up 
right? He shows up in their midst and they don't go, oh yeah, of course, he's resurrected. What happens is they freak out. He shows up and they were startled and terrified. This was not something that they expected to happen. When Jesus shows up resurrected, they don't say, oh yeah, you're a little late. They're startled, they're freaked. It wasn't something that they thought was going to take place. They saw him die. They saw their dreams crushed. They saw the Messiah killed or who they thought was the Messiah killed. We can look back and say this was 2,000 years ago and you know this was the old times and they had all sorts of weird beliefs and of course these kind of people may be superstitious. They believed in a resurrection. We can think maybe some of those things and if you're not a Christian, maybe as you're kind of processing faith in Jesus, it's easy to kind of dismiss what people a couple thousand years believed because we can just think, yeah, they, they just kind of were predisposed to believe these kinds of of miraculous things, but we are more evolved, we're more scientific, we know that that kind of stuff doesn't take place. But that's really missing the historical reality, which is that these people were fundamentalist Jews. These were people that for thousands of years had the same beliefs. They had lived in pagan cultures. They had lived in Rome with thousands of gods and many different cultures had come and gone and the Jews kept their beliefs for thousands of years. There was one God. He doesn't become human. There is a Messiah that's going to come one day. He's definitely not going to die. He's going to deliver us from Rome on our oppressors. He's going to bring his kingdom. They even believe that it was cursed to be crucified, cursed to hang on a tree. So none of those things would have allowed them to just go, oh yes, of course, the Messiah is going to die and he's going to resurrect. They wouldn't have believed that. Think about even today. If you've ever tried to change somebody's mind about something, if you've ever tried on Facebook, maybe, to change someone's mind on something. Does that work? No. And think about even today how divided we are on many things in our country. And people have strong beliefs about various things. It's hard. The more committed someone is to their beliefs, it's hard to change those beliefs. And I'm not trying to make any political statements, but I, I just want us to think about what would it take for someone who had these strong beliefs to move here? What would it take for this person... I love Dr. Fauci mask to perhaps date or marry this person or even be next to them. I don't know why he has toilet paper around his neck. That's funny, but what would it take? Think about that. What would it take for someone with these committed beliefs and these committed beliefs to merge? What would it take for these people hands off our history and this protest, what they strongly believe, what would it take them to join this March. What would it take? What would have to happen in someone's life for them to all of a sudden go from these strong beliefs to these strong beliefs? It would take something radical. What would it take for this person to join with this person? What would that take? Think about people that hold their beliefs very strongly and to say a radical change, a radical shift. What would it take for someone who saw the dress as gold and white to think that it was black and blue. Simpler times, right? When, we, when our debates were about dresses, simpler times. But even this, right? What would it take? What would it take to go from extreme fundamentalist beliefs to then your whole worldview shifting? His disciples, the Jewish people, didn't expect a Messiah to die and they didn't expect resurrection 
They, we can, we, resurrection is normal to us, but they were not expecting resurrection at all. That wasn't something that they thought was natural. The preeminent, probably the most prominent scholar on the resurrection of Jesus, professor at Oxford, his name is N.T. Wright, he says this, it cannot be stressed too strongly that first century Jews were not expecting people to rise from the dead as isolated individuals. Resurrection as an idea, as a theology, for them was something that might happen to all at the same time on that great future occasion when God brought history to an end and a whole new world was renewed. But they wouldn't have believed that someone would die and then resurrect. That wasn't in their belief system. Jesus shows up. Something must have happened to bring a radical change to their beliefs, to go from fundamentalist Jews to then, all of a sudden, a man can become God. The Messiah can die. A resurrection can take place. Something must have happened. This is actually, and if you're not a Christian, you're kind of wondering about Christianity. This is something you have to contend with. What would have happened to create such a big historical change that then led them to go and tell many, many, many people about this? They had belief. They had some sort of confidence in Jesus to start with, but then he died. They had a belief in Jesus. They had some confidence in Jesus, but not like this, not that he can conquer death, not that he was God, not that everything that he had told them would actually take place. They had belief and confidence in him, but then things shook it. Things challenged it. Trials got created. This can happen to us as well. We can have some sort of confidence in Jesus. We can have some beliefs in Jesus and then things challenge it. Has this happened to you in your life? You have a confidence in who God is and what he can do and then trials come. Maybe it was last year. Maybe it's this year. Maybe it's just been other events in your life. You get sick. You get hurt by people. You lose a job or you can't get a job. You experience pain. You experience grief. You experience loneliness. Where is it that you lack confidence in God? Maybe you've had it, but it has been shaken. Where is it hard for you to believe that God knows about the situation that you're going through? Where is it hard to believe that he cares about what it is that you're going through? Where is it hard to believe that he will come through and listen, that your future, that tomorrow, that the next day, that ultimately, where is it hard to believe that your future, God will be there and care for you? Where do you lack confidence in God? Where has belief been shaken and challenged? We all have doubts. We all have questions. And here, Jesus doesn't shun them. I love that. Jesus doesn't say, you've got, you've got doubts? What's your problem? He actually says, come here. Come touch. Come see. Give me some fish. Let me prove to you. He invites us to explore the questions that we have. He invites, he's not scared of the questions we have. He's not challenged and afraid of what happens if I can't answer it. Jesus invites us to explore. He invites us to wrestle because he wants to lead us to a deeper confidence, a new confidence, a new trust, a new faith. The resurrection gave them 
and it gives us a new beginning because it says, even in your questions and even in your pain, you have every reason to trust. You have every reason to trust. Every doubt you've ever had, every question you've ever had, every challenging situation you've ever had that has caused your faith to be shaken, the resurrection says, you have every reason to trust because we have one that conquered the worst that there is and has shown that every promise he's made comes true. So it gives us a new confidence. It also gives to us a new peace. It gives us a new peace. Think about them in their situation. They had experienced great pain seeing their close friend, their teacher, their, their leader, the one that they had put all their hopes and trust in for salvation, even not quite knowing what that was. They, they had trusted him and they see him die. They see all their hopes and dreams dashed. And they wonder if maybe they had been misled. They wonder if maybe they had gotten it wrong and wasted years of their life. But, it, but it's not even just kind of the, the grief and the sorrow. Listen, they, they would have felt shame because they betrayed him. Most of us, if you're a Christian, grew up in church, you know that Peter denied Jesus three times. But the Bible says that all of them denied him that they all deserted him. That in the garden, when the soldiers come to arrest him, it says they all leave in his moment of greatest need. I don't know if you've ever been betrayed. It's an awful thing. I don't know if you've ever betrayed someone. It's an awful thing. They knew I deserted Jesus. I betrayed Jesus. They were living with that. So they have grief, and they have sorrow, and maybe you have lived like that with God, where in your life you felt some sort of commitment, you felt some sort of passion, you felt, I'm gonna follow you, Jesus, I'll be there with you, Jesus, and then you fail. You fail yourself, and the beliefs and the values that you wanted to embody, you fail your own ethics, you fail your own decisions, you fail your own commitments, you fail your own passions and best intentions, and you know that you fail him. I know many of us have been in that place. Maybe you're in that place even today where you have failed and gone back to who you were, who you didn't want to be. And here's what is beautiful. Jesus shows up. He shows up in that room. And if he were here today, showing up in this room. He says a word. He says a word, and it's not a word of rebuke. He doesn't say, hey guys, remember what you did a few hours ago? Yeah. Well, guess what, suckers? He doesn't say that, right? I'm back. That's not what he says. He doesn't show up with a rebuke. He doesn't show up with a frown. He shows up with a word. The first word out of his mouth. And it changes everything. If you've been in that place where you have betrayed or you feel like you've left, let down God or Jesus or you feel like you haven't, you've let yourself down, he shows up and says, peace to you. Man, sometimes one word can change everything. Sometimes entering into a room with one word can change anything. I, I think about this on the negative side of things. I used to work in restaurants and one time there was a, a rat on the ceiling and it fell down like right in front of some people that were eating. 
And one word, if someone says, rat, right, would freak people out. And this was at Red Robin, and I was like, hey, uh, you want a mud pie? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, okay. I bribed, you know, teenagers can be bribed with mud pies. That's, that's what I learned that day. And, or if you think about another, if you're in an airport, you can't say the word bomb, right? One word can change everything. If you show up in an airport and say bomb, no one's going to be like, well, oh, oh no, I just said this was the bomb. This is so cool. Like no one's going to, you can't even say something that's close to that. If you have a friend named Tom, you can't say Tom. You can't even get close to it, right? One word can change everything. Jesus shows up. And the first word out of his mouth. Listen, I mean, before, I don't know how long, I don't know if he, I'm kind of dramatic, so I would have probably stand, stood there for a little bit and, you know, let the tension be in the room. But he probably didn't do that. He just shows up. They see him. And he says, peace. Think about that. That's a new beginning. That's a new peace that no matter where they had been, no matter what they knew they had done, and no matter the sorrow and the pain and the defeat that they had experienced, Jesus gives a word of new beginning. That simple word says, I see you. I know the pain. I know the disappointment. I know the trouble in your life. I know the, I know the frustration. I know the sin. I know where you've let yourself down. I know where you've let me down. I know your fears. I know your pain. He says, I see all that. And he asks them this question, why are you troubled? And there could be a bunch of different answers to that. They could say, I'm troubled because we let you down. I'm troubled because we betrayed you. They could say, I'm troubled because we thought all our hopes were over. There could be all sorts of reasons why they say that they are troubled. But what he says is, whatever the reason for the trouble, the answer is peace. That whatever pain you have experienced, whatever for every trouble that we have, for every loss that we have, for every grief that we have, for every tear that you have, for every disappointment, for every shame, for every guilt, for every way you know that there's trouble in your heart, he says, peace. He says, I'm here. And what I bring is not condemnation. What I bring is not rebuke. What I bring is peace. That in his presence, that with him you are forgiven. So there's peace. You are accepted, so there's peace. That there is a hope that can come into your life, so there's peace. That the worst that has happened has been undone, so there is peace. That whatever trouble you have, it bows to the resurrection of Jesus. It bows when he walks in the room and says, peace. That's what Jesus brings. It's a new beginning. I don't know where your soul is right now. I don't know the troubles that you have if Jesus were to sit down with you and say, why are you troubled? But he would say, peace. The resurrection brings peace. Gives them a new confidence and us a new confidence. He gives them a new peace in the middle of trouble. He gives us a new peace and he gives them a new understanding. It gives them a new understanding. I think this is so key. They had heard him teach. Jesus had told them, I am going to rise from the dead. 
But they missed it. They missed it. They didn't expect it. They didn't believe it. They didn't understand it. Jesus says this, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. He had already taught them these things. He had already spoken these things to them, but they didn't get it. It says, as he's teaching them here, he opens their minds to understand because before they were closed. They didn't get it. They had heard him teach, but they had missed it. They are locked physically in a small room, afraid of what's going on out there. And in many ways, if you think about him opening up their minds, you can think about them being closed. That they are closed in a room, they are closed in their fear, they are closed in their view of him. They are closed in the story that they thought that they were living. They are closed. And oftentimes it's the same for us. Many of you may have grown up in the church. Some of you probably are coming back and it's been a long time. Many of you grew up in the church and you heard Jesus teach things. You heard things from the Bible, but maybe you missed it. Maybe like his disciples who spent years with him, hearing him teach, you missed it. And then what happens, I, I believe this happens to many of us, is we long for something more. Because we feel like I've been in church, I've tried that, I've done that. Maybe I'll come back on Easter. Maybe I'll come back you know, on some day that there's a lot of suffering or something. Maybe it's a funeral, maybe it's a wedding. And we think, okay, I'll, I'll try it again. But, but we've heard and missed it. We've heard things and have missed it. And so then what happens is we long for something else. We feel like this isn't giving us the more that we want. We feel closed even in church, even with God, like they would have. And we long for something else, and so we look for it in other places. What else can bring me some meaning? What else can bring me some fulfillment? What else can help satisfy that, that something more? I think even, and just to use kind of a, a silly illustration, or perhaps for the kids in the room, or the kid in all of us in the room, Disney movies speak to this all the time, right? That in Disney movies, there's always this longing for something bigger. There's this expression of we've, we're closed, we're kind of living in this box, and I, I want to take the lid off and experience something more, something beyond what I have right now. And many of you grew up in the church and felt like it wasn't doing it, so we look for other things, the mountains or a relationship or a home or a new job or a new city. or It can be all sorts of things. All of these characters sing these songs. Moana says, see the line where the sky meets the sea? It calls me, and no one knows how far it goes. If the wind in my sail on the sea stays behind me, one day I'll know. If I go, there's just no telling how far I'll go. And her mouth, all of their mouths are open. That's how you know. They want something more, right? Up where they walk, up where they run, up where they stay all day in the sun. Wandering free. Wish I could be part of that world. Something more. Aladdin says, A whole new world. Thank you, thank you. A hundred thousand things to see. Hit the soundtrack, guys. Uh, when I'm way up. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. 
Sorry, I, I love that song, you know. It's been my dream. Thank you for indulging me. <clears throat> if I had all the lyrics, I might keep going, but... I'm like a shooting star. I've come so far. I can't go back to where I used to be. Guys, can I sing up here with you after this? You know? There's this longing for something more. We want the lid to come off. We want the lid to come off. We, we want to believe that our experience of what we have is not all there is, that there is something bigger. And when Jesus shows up, he is saying to them, what if, what if this whole thing was bigger than just me defeating Rome? That's what they expected the Messiah to do. What if this was bigger than just me teaching you to love one another? That's what many teachers had come and done. What if it was bigger than, than me just defeating physical enemies? What if it was bigger than just teaching on ethics and how to live a good life and giving you new commands? What if all of this was bigger? The resurrection says this. What if, and I just want you to think about this. What if you've heard it and missed it? What if you've heard what Jesus says? What if you grew up in church? What if you've heard the Bible stories? What if you've heard Christianity? What if you've heard it and missed it? They did, and they were very close to Jesus. What, what if you have tried it and moved on? Jesus says, this can be, I mean, this can be true with many things as it relates to faith, but, but here what Jesus says is this. The whole plan of everything he's been doing is salvation. He says that the whole Old Testament, that the Psalms and the prophets they all pointed, and the law, it all pointed, and now it's all been fulfilled in him bringing about salvation. He says the Messiah had to suffer. They didn't get that. In order for there to be forgiveness of sins, that, that isn't even what they were mainly thinking about. They were thinking about the defeat of Rome, and he says, I've been teaching you these things, but you missed it. Your mind was closed, and I want to take the lid off. I want to open it up so that you can see you're part of something way bigger that I've been doing. This is the gospel. The gospel means good news, which is that God has come to save us in the person of Jesus. Listen, if you're not a Christian, there might be a lot of things that you've missed. And if you are a Christian, there might be a lot of things you missed even about your own faith. But one of the keys that Jesus says right here is this, that the whole thing is salvation. That what God is after is coming to save us from our sin, to renew the whole world one day. But he comes, God becomes man, that Jesus comes to this earth and he lives a perfect life and he dies the death that you and I should die. And then he raises to life, showing that new life with him is possible, that we can experience something brand new. This is salvation. This is the gospel. God doesn't just want to make you a better person. He wants to make you an alive person where you've been dead. That he doesn't just come to bring good teaching, but he comes to bring you a new life. He makes dead people alive. He saves. He forgives. It's not just a book about living a good life and trying to listen to Jesus' teaching. It's a book about him changing our hearts and making us new people. This is what Jesus gives to them, a new understanding that, that, that we need, that they needed. The gospel is we are so much worse than we think we are, that just the external destruction of the things that we think are harming us and hurting us, like Rome, 
Just the destruction of the external is not what we need. We are worse. We are part of the problem. But he is better. That he comes not just to teach, but to save. He comes not just to correct, but to give mercy and forgiveness. On the cross, all of our sin put on him. And all of his righteousness given to us when we are united to him. A new understanding. And then finally, he gives them a new purpose. Gives them a new purpose. See, they had a purpose. They had a purpose. There was times that that Jesus said, I want you to go out and tell people about me. I want you to tell them about the kingdom. If, If you've been here at True Life, as we've been going through the book of Luke, there's many times where Jesus has actually sent them out already and given them a mission, given them a purpose. This wasn't the first time that he sends them but it was a new beginning because they may have thought, we've blown it. We had our shot. We had our chance. We, we, Jesus did call us. He did commission us. He did invite us to be a part of his work, and then we turned our back on him. So maybe he can forgive me, but I don't know if he can still use me. But here's what Jesus says. You are witnesses of these things. And then he gives them a power and sends them out to be a part of his mission. He reinstates them. He recalls them. Listen, I don't know who of you needs to hear this. Maybe at one time in your life, you desired to be a part of God's work in this world. Maybe it was in college or maybe even earlier than that, or maybe it was just last year. Or two days ago, I don't know, maybe there was a time that you desired to be a part of what God was doing in the world. To desire to be a part of helping people come to know Jesus. Desire to be a part of him bringing renewal to the broken places in the world. Maybe you desired that. Maybe you prayed that. God, would you use me? I give you my life. Would you use my gifts? Would you help me to be a part? Maybe you've prayed those prayers. Maybe you've had those desires at some point in your life. Maybe, maybe in the far past. Maybe in the recent past. But have been distracted. And the cares of this life fill up our life, don't they? I mean, all sorts of things fill up our life. And we go from idealism to reality. And we go from passion to then Monday. Maybe you've become distracted. Maybe the cares of this life have filled you up. And what happens is then we don't live with purpose, which means two things. One, it means we don't get to be a part of what God wants to do in other people's lives, but it also means we miss out on experiencing more. Because God's invitation invitation for us to step into purpose is not just for the sake of others, but it also actually builds our faith. It actually increases our love. It increases our knowledge of Jesus. It increases our passion and the depth of our faith. Listen, maybe some of you feel stuck in your faith, not because you just need to read more Bible or come to church more, but because you need to step out and fully enter in to the purpose that he has for you. I was thinking about this and maybe kind of a silly illustration, but I have a a bathroom in my basement. Not I have, we, well, kind of I have. My wife doesn't like to use it very much because it's a basement bathroom. But if you go down the door and you open the door, it opens in. So it means when you open it up, all you see is the toilet. And just looks like, is this just like a closet with a toilet in it? That's weird. And 
only if you fully step into it, if you fully step in, shut the door behind you, do you see that there's actually more in the bathroom. Only if you fully step in do you actually fully get to experience, and I'm not saying there's like tons in there. I'm not saying there's like a whole wing and I hear people in there singing a whole new world. I'm not saying that, okay? No one's gonna make a Disney movie about my bathroom. <laughs> I don't think, but I could write the script. But only if you fully step in do you get to see, oh, there's more to it than I thought there was. This is true with so many things in life. Only when you fully step into something do you get to fully experience it? And that's a bathroom, so I know that, you know, to move from that to Jesus might be a little challenging. But it's so much more true with Jesus. Only when you fully step in to the purpose that he's inviting you to, only when you fully step into, as he said, be my witnesses of these things, only when you fully step into that do you actually begin to fully experience all that he is. You begin to see how much you need him. You begin to see, maybe you don't pray very much, but it's because you're not stepping out. You begin, to, you begin to realize how much you need to pray. Maybe you don't read the Bible very much, but when you step into your purpose, you begin to read the Bible more because you realize how much you need to hear his voice in your life to shape you. Maybe you don't feel like you need community that much, but when you step into his purpose for your life, you begin to realize how much you need other people in your life. Only when you fully step into his purpose do you begin to fully experience all that he wants in faith. So I don't know who needs to hear this part, but the resurrection gives a new beginning. The resurrection gives a new beginning with purpose because it says, you're invited. You're invited to be a witness as they were. You're invited to be a part of the most important thing that there is in the universe. Your life matters and he wants you to experience everything but also to step in to help others experience what he has for their life. What new beginning can the resurrection bring into our life? A new confidence, a new peace, a new understanding, a new purpose. Listen, last year was hard. This year has been hard in some ways and may continue to be hard, and life is hard. And many times we feel we need a, a new beginning. And what he gave to them is what he gives to us. So here, here's what this means. Let me just speak to different groups in this room, perhaps, and online. If, if you're not a Christian, maybe you've got questions. Maybe you're unsure about Jesus, about the cross, about resurrection, about any of that stuff. He is offering you today a new beginning. He's offering you today the first beginning to be born again, as Jesus says, to have the ultimate new beginning. He died to forgive your sin. He raised to give you life with him now and forever. If you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, maybe you're a part of this church, maybe you have been a Christian for a long time, here's what I want to say to you. Don't settle for where you are. Don't settle for where you are. Yes, you have confidence in Jesus. Yes, you have some peace with Jesus. Yes, you've got some purpose with Jesus and some understanding of Jesus, but he wants to renew all of those things in you. He wants to over and over again give a new beginning. That's one of the reasons I love Easter. It's in some sense just a day on the calendar. In some sense, it's just April 4th. 
But God gives us these times to renew, to remind who he is, to say, I want to move you from the confidence you have to something deeper. I want to move you from the peace that you have to something new and fresh. I want to move you from whatever your understanding is to a deeper understanding of who I am. And I want to move you from whatever purpose that you have or aren't living in or are living in to a renewed sense of purpose. If you're a Christian, my encouragement to you, even as we take communion in a bit, is to ask God to make those things fresh to you. To ask him to renew your purpose, your confidence, your peace, your understanding. And finally, maybe you're a Christian and Maybe you don't regularly come to church. Maybe someone invited you here today or even just joining online. And maybe you're just kind of, you're here and you're a Christian. You, you love Jesus and you've got faith, but, but it's not the regular part of your life. This is not the regular part of your life. It's a unique part of your life. It's a special part of your life. It's a celebration part of your life, but, but not the norm. I want you to know you can't have the new beginning that God wants for you alone in your life. Even if you look at the very last part, we, we already read this, but it says this, after Jesus leaves, they were continually in the temple praising God. You know what that means? It means that God has designed us to continually need these renewal experiences over and over again that he raises from the dead. And maybe you would think in that moment, I don't need anything else. That'll give me the juice to keep going for the rest of my life. But that wasn't what happened with them. Their instinct was, I just experienced a new beginning and I need to now go to church and experience a new beginning all the time. I need that continually fresh. I need that continually resetting me and renewing me and resending me into what God has for me. I need to remember peace and confidence and purpose and understanding over and over and over again. So my encouragement to those of you that are Christians, but maybe church isn't a regular part of your life, is Jesus showed them. And what we see in their life is we need this over and over again. I, I just want to give you a simple, maybe it's not simple for you, but as simple as in that it's a sentence challenge, which is that starting next week, we're starting a new series, a four-week series called Changed, which talks about four different stories of Jesus showing up into people's lives and bringing about change through his grace. And I want to encourage you Maybe you can just check it off the month of April and say, okay, you know what? I thought it was just going to be one Sunday in April, but I'm going, to do, I'm going to do the month of April. See what God does in your life. See what new beginning God does, not just on one day, but what he can do when you experience renewal every week. The resurrection says we can have a new beginning. It says that the new beginning he brought into their life is the new beginning that we can have in all of these ways, and that's why we're here. So we're gonna respond. We're gonna respond in a few different ways. We're gonna take communion, and hopefully you got a little cup on the way in. If you didn't, they're on that table in the back. We're gonna take communion. When we take communion, we are remembering that his body was broken, that his blood was shed to give us life, to give us communion with him, to give us, to allow us to be united to him. So if you're a Christian, I invite you to take 
communion in, in just a moment when, when we pray. And then we're going we're gonna to sing some songs. And, and we're going to have someone get baptized, which is celebrating the new life that Jesus brings. And then we'll respond with an Easter egg hunt, being able to just have some fun because Jesus is alive. We pray with me. Lord, we thank you that you bring new beginnings. And, and I don't know where everyone is in this room. I know some are probably unsure where they are. Some are not Christians. Some have been Christians for a long time and maybe feel great right now. But God, I know that you want to bring a new beginning. Even if that's just a new beginning from yesterday, even if it's just a new beginning of believing today that we have peace with you. I don't know the new beginning we all need, Lord, but I know we need it. And I know that through the resurrection, you bring it. And so I pray, Lord, that you would allow, even as we sing and see baptism and take communion, allow the new beginning, the renewal that you brought into this world to go deep into our hearts and allow us a fresh experience of your goodness and your grace and your love. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.